join us for an honest critique of Netflix's American murder, The Family Next Door. In this episode, we give you the ins and outs of the Watts family murders by father Chris Watts. Although a short case, it is loaded with deception, lies, and betrayal. But it may be the aftermath of this case that provides the most damning details. So let's spill the tea. I'm Alyssa. I'm Erin. And And we are Crime TV. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us. Uh, So today we are going to be talking about American Murder, The Family Next Door. So if you haven't watched it yet, we strongly encourage you to pause this podcast, head on over to Netflix and watch this special true crime documentary. If you decide that you don't want to watch it and you just want to hear us talk about it, well, let me tell you what it is. So American Murder captures the Watts family out of Colorado. Um, The documentary starts with them having this idyllic marriage, family life um, between Chris Watts and Shanann Watts with their two young daughters. And Shanann is also 15 weeks pregnant with their third child, their first son, Nico. Um, Chris Watts soon has found himself in a situation that he has a mistress. And Chris Watts wanted to be with his mistress so badly that he ultimately ended up killing his two daughters and his pregnant wife and dumping their bodies an hour away in a oil site that he works on. And he later pleaded guilty and honestly the most heinous crime that I've ever watched. Yeah, um, this was a pretty rough one. I will say I was surprised at how quickly everything went down. I mean, we're talking from the day that he commits the murders, I think it's a total of five days. Yeah, he was, the murders occurred on early morning, August 13th, after Shanann came home from a business trip. And then on the 15th is whenever he ultimately pleaded guilty. On the 6th, um, he led them to their bodies on the oil site okay so yeah so super quick but even with that quick timeline what what was really done well with this documentary was i got that timeline in very clear headings yeah yeah like a cue card of the dates of of when everything is happening and it really allows you as the viewer to get a clear timeline of when events are going down if you listen to our last episode you'll know that i was really upset By the fact that that documentary jumped around so much, I was very lost. I didn't know when stuff was happening. I didn't have a grasp on what time, the timing of everything was. So I really appreciated the clear timeline, even though this was only over a span of like five days and I probably could have kept up. Right. Yeah. This documentary did a lot better of a job of just giving the viewer um, a good timeline, an understanding of what all is going on. Yeah, for sure. And I think, too, like, this one felt less like it was trying to be a movie. Mm -hmm. This felt very much like it was going to tell us a story about a crime that kind of rocked the nation. It was less dramatized. I didn't feel like I was about to sit down in theater. I felt like I was about to learn something. I remember whenever this all went down, 
It was August of 2018, and I remember the infamous interview that Chris Watts provided where he was, please bring Shanann, Cece, and Bella home. I miss them. If you're out there, like the most unemotional, just garbage of a human being. Like, outside of your historic figures that are the biggest jerks ever, you know, Hitler, Osama bin Laden, my ex-boyfriend. Like, I would put Chris Watts, MySpace top five worst people that has ever existed. Okay. That's, that's a heavy list. Yeah. I mean... Alyssa has very strong feelings about this. I do. I, I do. <laughs> Obviously, it's, you know, it's a terrible situation. It's a terrible thing to happen. Horrible, horrible crime. Horrible person. No doubt. I didn't cry, though. And I, you know what? I saw a lot of people say that this, this documentary made them cry. I wept. I, I felt a little heartless because I didn't cry. I was just like, you know, this is obviously terrible, but terrible things happen every day. Um, this documentary came out late September of 2020. Did you watch it closer to when it actually happened? Well, I watched it whenever it launched in September of 2020. Okay. So this was prime COVID, kind okay. of quarantined into your house. and So I we've watched... all been in our feelings for right. quite a while. Okay. We're okay. all a little frail, a little fragile. <laughs> uh, but I remember watching it and my fiance was with me and he was mad, like Hulk smash, ready to go beat the shit out of Chris Watts and I'm whimpering I'm sobbing I I felt horrible um and I just feel like this documentary it was kind of different than a lot of documentaries that we've seen before because we have real live non-dramatized footage from body cams the ring doorbell security footage it was all very real very live there was no hired actors to play them yeah, and that, I, well, one, I think for a lot of cases, that's kind of a unique situation. Definitely plays into the time time of this case. You know, 2018 is pretty recent. We're in full swing with, with cop body cams being required and things like that. It definitely did add a layer of realness to the documentary. Mm-hmm. Because most documentaries, true crime documentaries we watch, for various reasons, like you said, are complete dramatizations mm-hmm. or they show... They may show a little bit of police footage, like interview, but yeah, most of it is dramatized or just situational shots they could have gotten after the crime, like of the police, but not during and as it's happening. And yeah, this one was almost 100% exclusively police footage, camera footage, audio from the interrogation rooms, direct like footage. Yeah. And I feel like maybe part of this was so emotional for a lot of viewers including myself obviously is because we had Shanann who was kind of this Facebook live video guru and you could see them in their normal happy life where they did have this really utopia idyllic family life and then we had the hard contrast of the police footage um, interrogation room the whole nine text messages throughout that was another thing that I I brought this up and I I think I have this written in my notes um they do show text messages pop up on the screen throughout to kind of help tell the story as we're going through the it was text text messages specifically from Shanann to either friends or Chris 
about the events that led up to the murders. And one thing I, I picked out when we were watching it together was that they even showed her typos in the text messages. They didn't edit this to, to put on a perfect show. Um, and that added a really big aspect of like genuine ness to what would that's not a word is that a genuine we'll word I mean, okay it's fine um that just added a layer of like i like i believed it you know it didn't feel fake or like it was trying to put on a show it was the real things that were going on in this family that pushed along the story um and that's a really key part because we also don't get to see that side of a lot of true crime documentaries so i i thought that was really well done i thought it added a level of authenticity that I really appreciated. So at the beginning of the documentary, whenever they kind of realized that Shanann is missing, um, it's because at 9 a.m. she was about to go to the OBGYN appointment. And then about 1.30, 1.45 that same day, BFF Nicole enters the stage. And I have so much respect for BFF Nicole. Uh, the highest of honors for her. Because she had her spidey senses flared up. You know what? Well, it it says a lot to like, okay, me and you share location. Like I can look on my phone and see where you're at Mm -hmm. and would totally check on you. But I love that her friend like immediately was like, she didn't go to her appointment. Mm -hmm. I'm on top of that. Like if I know you're supposed to go to the dentist, I'm going to check to make sure you're there. We all hate the dentist. Like I'm going to check on you. And I appreciate that. And like when you go on dates with these guys from you know, those apps. I'm like, where is Aaron? Did Aaron make it home okay? And to be fair, when Nicole got there, she was saying like, oh, she always has this item. She would never leave without her phone. And, you know, Chris found the wedding ring in the bathroom, I believe it was. And Nicole's absolutely losing her mind. And I would be 100% the same way. I'm like, Aaron's green water bottle is missing. Oh, wait, it's right here. She always takes that with her collagen powder not used in the coffee this morning something is wrong with Erin these are the staple items of her so I would know just I would fair enough I would go sirens off hair on fire just the way that Nicole went for Shanann yeah well Nicole was really the catalyst for all of this and just immediately jumped in trying to find her I mean, within, like, minutes of police arriving, Nicole was, like, on the phone with Shanann's mother getting their garage key code. She was ready to bust down the door. Yeah. I mean, because really, who knows how long this could have been drawn out had someone like Nicole not realized something was up, been in touch with Shanann, and, like, been in touch with kind of what her habits are and where she goes and what she's doing in her schedule. And I think we should all, like, strive to be a little more like Nicole. The investigation starts, and then Nate, the most web sleuth of us all, uh, next-door neighbor Nate, Mm. uh, he's like, listen, guys, I've got surveillance video of his driveway, points out, I got surveillance camera this way, this way, this way. I'm like, listen, Nate about to mess it up. And so I thought it was strange that they went to go look at the video and Chris went with them. He already knows what he did. And it's kind of like, I would distance myself as much as I could. 
And so again, yeah, but wouldn't that look more suspicious? To to be like, oh, I'm not gonna go over and see that. You don't know what you would do that's, unless that's you're in that situation. True. That's very true. None of us know what we would do in any of these situations uh, until we were there. But hopefully, none of us are ever in this situation. I know. Stay woke, fam. And I feel like I'm kind of the one that got you into true crime, and you were like very anti-location um, services on. I was, yeah. And then I'm like, listen, somebody's going to chop your head off, and I'm going to need to be able to find your body, so turn it on. And sure enough, there you are. Erin has shared your her location with you. Yep, I yep. caved. I caved. But you know what? Now, after seeing some of these documentaries that we've watched, I'm actually glad that I did turn it on, because I'll rest easy if I ever get murdered, knowing that yeah. you'll find me pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, I if I have my phone on me. I don't play. I'd be like, listen, Erin was last seen at the intersection of this road and this road we're going to spanned out i'm gonna get texas ecu search on here we're gonna find her thank you i appreciate that yeah. so i'm i'm just like bff nicole so i feel what she was going through so the next part of this documentary that you get to this is the part up until now keep in mind i have not seen this documentary i actually hadn't heard about this case i mean i am completely in the dark i know nothing so for me watching this for the first time not not really knowing what was going to happen other than that it's called murder so i assume someone had killed shanann and the girls but i you know i've never seen this so the point that i first started to suspect chris and kind of get on the board of like oh he had something to do with this was when he agreed to the polygraph test and starts to take the polygraph test at the police station at this point he's still just a suspect and they're trying to get information not necessarily that they didn't have any details that he had done it at this point and this polygraph lady was like amazing our queen um tammy lee she came in basically with her combat boots in and kicked the door in and she's like listen only one of us knows the truth and here in about five minutes two of us will know the truth it would be pretty stupid of you to come in today and agree to take this polygraph test, wouldn't it? And Chris is just like, oh. like, I'm, I'm sure he just like peed his pants, like just immediate reaction, terrified of this woman, because I was, and I wasn't even there. I mean, and this is the point where like I start to him like, wow, this guy really is like an idiot. Like, if he did it, why would he agree to a polygraph test thinking that he is smarter? than a polygraph test, thinking that he can outdo a polygraph test. Which, and she knew straight away. She was like, when it, when it after he took the test, she was asking the questions, then it shows her come back in and sit down with him. She was like, okay, so we know you've had something to do with this. Let's just talk about it. She said, fess up, buddy. <laughs> Poked him in the chest. <laughs> she did not poke him in the chest. If you didn't watch this documentary, she, Tammy Lee did not poke anyone in the chest. Maybe, don't, don't get her in trouble. Maybe that's what I wanted to do. Except I wouldn't poke him in the chest. I'd be like, it's on sight, bud. Square up. But that's just how I feel. Watching not handling it well. Watching it with you, I could like see the gears turning. You're like, yeah, I hate this guy. He's an idiot. <laughs> Yeah, but, it, but in this moment, I, I hated him because he was stupid, not yet because I knew what he did. Well, in this moment, I just hated him for how stupid he was. I knew the whole enchilada of this story. And 
I hated him the entire time. Oh, I know. I know. Uh, we were sitting there watching this documentary and Alyssa is like making comments to, to me of things that I don't know yet. And I'm, I'm like, you've got to chill. You've got to stop because I don't have those feelings yet. I don't know what's happening. So after the polygraph test, the Tammy Lee and Graham, the other detective, they come in and they're like, listen, bud, we know you're lying. It's time to confess. Where are the girls? Where's Shanann? It's time to bring him in from the cold. And he's like, I swear, I didn't do it. I had nothing to do with it. And they're like, no, cut the shit, bud. It's time to talk. So ultimately, they have an agreement with him where he will talk to his dad about it. And I feel like this conversation really just, like, sealed the deal for a lot of viewers. It's because he tried to put the murder of the girls on Shanann. And then that he was just so... Filled with rage that he had to kill Shanann. Yeah. Bad enough that you are the person that you are. But then to blame it on Shanann. That's just scum of the earth type of shit for me. I didn't even know what to think at that point. Because I don't understand why he would all of a sudden decide to tell all of his dad. Like to tell his dad all of this stuff. Like, why would he tell his dad all of this? He knows he's on camera. He knows there's audio. Which, uh, one thing that I will include... I didn't have many complaints with this documentary. Obviously, if you listened to our last episode, you know I was, like, irate at that that documentary and just the entire thing. How it was carried out, executed, blah, 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 on and on. I really thought this documentary was done well. Although... I did have to turn subtitles on during the interviews with Chris um, in the interrogation room and stuff because it was a little fuzzy audio, which is understandable. I'm sure, like, it's, it is what it is, you know, but in the documentary, it became a little hard to hear. I definitely had to put subtitles on, so I think they should have done that from the get-go. They should have just gone ahead and given us the the typed version of the audio to understand better. Because I had to rewind a few times and listen again to catch all of it. So, um, on August 16th, 2018, the bodies of Shanann, Bella, and Celeste were found in the oil site about an hour away from their home. And on that same day, Mistress Nicole Kessinger makes the statement that she says, I legitimately think his cheese was sliding off his cracker long before he met me. So, she thinks that this guy is kind of insane, maybe, is what she's... I've never heard this idiom before, so, like, I'm just trying to assume that she's saying that, like, he's not all there. And, nevertheless, a few days before the murders occur, she spends two hours on her cell phone on wedding dress sites to find a wedding dress. Ooh, I did not know that. That was not covered in the documentary. Yeah. Where did you get that? Internet. (laughs) The Googles. The Googles. You know, I went to grad school. I know how to cite my sources. Mm-hmm. Google and Wikipedia. <laughs> but um, Don't use Wikipedia. Why do I have to say this every episode? I don't use Wikipedia. I use news articles. Okay. So, Nicole Kessinger, the mistress, absolute garbage as well. She knew he was married, but he said, oh, I'm going through a divorce. Nicole knew that Shannon was pregnant. Yeah, that's pretty shitty. Yeah, and she wasn't, like, you know, 39 weeks pregnant where, like, that's, 
that interaction happened nine, ten months ago. She's very early pregnancy, like end of first trimester, early second. So no respect for Nicole Kessinger from me. So, on August 21st, 2018, Chris is charged with first-degree murder. Additionally, he faces another count for unlawful termination of a pregnancy, plus three counts of tampering with a body, for a total of nine charges. He got what was coming for him. Yeah, definitely. But he pleaded guilty primarily to escape a full investigation, a trial, and the death penalty. Which, no comment on that because... Again, I, like, I don't know what I would do in that situation. Like, would you skip a trial and just plead guilty to avoid death penalty? Maybe. I think that's a pretty human response. Mm-hmm. I mean, no sympathy for the guy. Don't get me wrong. Like, he he got what was coming to him. But I, as a human, I honestly can't blame him for trying to get out of the death penalty. It is interesting. There's a lot of details. If you do a Google search, um, there's even a subreddit called Chris Watts that you can go on that has a lot of details a lot of stuff has come out since this case and since this documentary that the documentary didn't show and part of that was probably for time's sake and part of it was probably because there's a lot of things that still are coming from this case because there wasn't a trial Mm -hmm. we don't have a lot of the evidence findings the autopsy findings the situational things like all of the things that would come out in a trial for a case like this we don't have because there wasn't a trial he pleaded guilty and took took the arraignment so I mean there are a lot of details that I feel like we're missing um Alyssa has come prepared with some of those yeah I this is going to be something hard for me to get through because the aftermath details that have been released about this case through Christopher's letters from the state pen is it's hard it's hard to read through so i'm going to read a letter that chris watt sent to an author that he's been working with for a novel called letters from christopher sherlyn calder's um novel about him so it says when shenan had to be somewhere i also enjoyed taking the girls places or playing outside because it was it was our opportunity to bond and still even the night before I couldn't stop myself from what I knew would occur the next morning. August 13th, morning of, I went to the girls' rooms first, before Shanann and I had our argument. I went to Bella's room, then Cece's room, and used a pillow from their bed. That's why the cause of death was smothering. After I left Cece's room, then I climbed back in bed with Shanann, and our argument ensued. After Shanann had passed, Bella and Cece woke back up. I'm not sure how they woke up, woke back up, but they did. It makes the act that much worse knowing I went to their rooms first and knowing I still took their lives at that location. The reason the medical examiner found Oxycontin in Shanann's system is because I gave it to her. I thought it would be easier to be with Nicole if Shanann wasn't pregnant. If the world knew all of that, I'm pretty sure a new petition would be started to have me put to death or I would be killed in prison if I ever got transferred from this institution. So, yeah, there's a lot that is revealed um, that wasn't in the documentary, either because it wasn't known at the time or because it just, there's so much that has been revealed since he was arrested and since his arraignment and everything. 
And that really adds, like, a whole new layer of how just awful this was. Yeah. Um, that was, it was really hard just to read that. And I've read this letter probably six, seven times. But in case you didn't analyze it the way I did, and this is confirmed, that he tried to kill the girls first by smother them, smothering them in their beds. And he thought he was successful. Then he went back to Shanann. And after he strangled Shanann, Bella was standing at the door asking what's wrong with Mommy. And that's whenever he started to load them up into the truck and drove them out there where he then had to smother them again. And there's other details that they're too grotesque for me to even repeat as someone dark as I am. Crimes against kids is what makes me the most mad in this world. So I'm not going to get into that, but if you feel the need to read about that, the internet has a plethora of information that is at your disposal. Yeah, and I think there's I think there's with good reason that some of the details were glossed over in the documentary. I mean, some of it you you just don't want out to the world. You just want to leave Shanann and the girls in peace. Yeah. Um, um, I feel like that's, that's just kind of picking up the scab. I know, or I could assume, that some of these details like this weren't released in the initial investigation because he was probably, he kind of put a muzzle on it, just said what he needed to at the bare minimum, and all of the details like this didn't have to be released because it wasn't required. <laughs> so, Chris Watts, absolute piece of garbage. G-A-R-B-I-T-C-H. Garbage. Yeah. Terrible, terrible, terrible person. Terrible thing that happened to this family. Check on your friends is the moral of this. If you feel like your friends have a narcissist abusive just bad person that they're in a relationship with or even a bad friend because violence isn't just a marital thing true it, it could be friends check on your friends that, that's the moral of this story is be a nicole bff nicole yes be a be a bff nicole of the world check in on your friends make an effort to know where they're supposed to be to care enough to have people check on them if you think something's up just check on your friends i want to end it with a fun fact okay um bring, bring the mood up a little this yeah was a, this was a dark documentary it really yeah. was yeah. i mean it, it sounds weird to say because like shouldn't every true crime documentary be kind of dark but this one was especially heavy and hit on a lot of very, very difficult topics for a lot of people, I'm sure, even beyond what the normal true crime does. And I think it doesn't help that this one was so recent as well. It's a little closer to home. So my fun fact for this one that I'm going to pitch to you, Erin, okay. is Chris Watts is at the Dodge Correctional Institution in Wisconsin, where he's on isolation 23 hours of the day. And another person that our viewers may know that is at the Dodge Correctional Institution 
is Stephen Avery from Making a Murderer, also on Netflix. Oh, I did not know that. I've not seen that one. Yeah. I'm sure we'll review it in due time. Interesting. All right. Well, so join us next week whenever we launch our new episode, Truth and Lies, The Menace Brothers on Hulu. New episodes are going to be posted every Monday morning, 5 a.m. Eastern Time. Or later. I'm not getting up that early. So on your morning commute next week, tune in to Crime TV, 6 a.m. Central Standard Time. So you can find us right now on Red Circle, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. All right, guys. That's a wrap for the week. If you have any questions, want to leave us a comment or feedback, find us on Instagram at CrimeTV, spelled T-E-A-V, or you can send us an email if you're at work so it looks like you're still working. (laughs) It's CrimeTV, again, that's T-E-A-V at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you guys. Thanks. Bye.